You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. We're watching in this study in Acts, Jesus building his church as he promised he would. But we also see the attempts of Satan to try to stop the building of this church. So as we look in verse 1, let's read that together. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some of the believers in the church. Uh, the King, New King James Version says this, Now about that time, the Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Persecution, harassment is taking place here in Acts chapter 12. And it hasn't ended in 12. It still goes on today. Those of us who believe in the infinite word of God, we believe that the Bible is literal. We believe that what God has to say to us has no room for interpretation. It is his word, and that's what we follow. We're seeing persecution against this today. Last time I preached before you, the uh, explosion out of Washington was Road versus Wade. That has gone to an extreme. We see Satan's ugly head reared up by people threatening to kill our Supreme Court justices, people standing outside their homes. All this is persecution against what is right. And us as believers, the church, that we continue to pray as a church, And we continue to support what is right. So here in this first verse, we have persecution going on. And this King Herod, you hear this term Herod quite often uh, in the beginning of the New Testament because Herod was a title much like Caesar is or was to Rome. This Herod, Agrippa I, was the grandson of the Herod the Great, who was reigning during the time of Jesus' birth. And he was the one who declared to kill all the babies under age two. And then later, when Jesus has the farce of a trial, and they bring before Herod, this is the nephew, excuse me, the uncle of the Herod that we're going to talk about here in chapter 12. What a family. A family against God. And you say, how does that happen? Because that is enriched and ingrained within what is going on in a home. Just as believers need to enrich and ingrain what's going on at home with their children. So Herod stretches out his hand to harass some of the church. And he does this for political reasons. This particular Herod does. The Pharisees and the Sanhedrin are after Christians. As we've already studied, Saul, who was a Pharisee, had put many in prison, oversaw the death of Christians. But here, this king wants to be popular amongst the Jewish people, so he listens to what they want, and he buys in. So, He arrested James. So in verse 2, he had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. 
Now, this is a new development in the history of the church. There have been martyrs, but this is the first apostle who will be martyred. James. As we look here in this particular verse where we know that James is arrested. And I want you to look at Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 40. Why would an apostle be all this soon after the start of the church be killed? Well, James and John had gone to Jesus during the time they were early disciples. And they wanted to know where they would be in the kingdom. Could they sit on the right or the left hand of Christ when he went back to heaven? And Jesus answers this in verse 38 of Mark 10. You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Are you, he's asking him, are you, are you sure? You don't know what you're asking. You don't know what's coming down the road. Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering that I must be baptized with? And said, oh yes, they replied. We're able. Then Jesus told them, indeed you will indeed drink from my bitter cup. And will be baptized with my baptism of suffering. This was prophesied by Jesus. What would happen? And it did happen to James. He was killed by the sword in the name of Jesus. Verse 3, when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. And by the way, this is going on during the Passover. So he puts Peter into prison. And he puts him under guard of four squads, of four soldiers each. In other words, 16 to guard Peter because Herod knew that he'd already escaped once. You know, remember when Peter escaped the first time? They walked out and he went right back to the temple and started preaching again. Here, Herod's going to make sure he doesn't get out. Because he plans to kill Peter because it will please the people. And what's ironic here is during the Passover. Jesus was put to death during the Passover. That broke Jewish law. Capital punishment was not allowed during the Passover, but they could not bear that he would live any longer. But also, remember this, man has no control over God's prophecy. And that the prophecy was that the lamb will be shed, the eternal lamb will be shed on the Passover. That fulfills the Passover. So here, Peter is at the Passover, and they will not kill him immediately because they're going to wait till after the Passover ends and not break Jewish law. It was chapter 5 where Peter had walked out of that prison. So now he's chained between two. But here's what I want to spend some time in verse 5. But when Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. New King James Version says that Peter therefore was kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Earnest or constant prayer was by the church. 
Do we really believe in the power of prayer? Do we really believe that there is power in prayer? See, I think that we, particularly we as a people, in our society, and it's the way we are brought up a lot of ways, we're so private that we don't want to know, we don't want people to know what's going on in our life. We get embarrassed, we're ashamed. I was raised that your problem is for you to deal with and not anybody else. And that's how my parents taught me. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying that's how I was raised. Anybody else raised like that? You keep your problems to yourself. You're not sharing them with anybody. But see, that's not right. We hinder the process of prayer when we don't share what we need prayer for. We want to pray all on our own. We want to handle this all on our own and say, God, it's between me and you, God. But here I read about a church as a body of believers praying together earnestly, constantly for a particular reason. For James and Peter. Now that James has been killed, they're now praying for Peter. You see, the church is a family. And God created the church to be a family of believers who are united through the blood of Jesus Christ, who share happiness and share burdens as well. And I think sometimes we question why our prayers aren't answered. And maybe God, this is my thought, maybe God is trying to teach us something about prayer. And that it's just not about you. It's about you belonging to a family who shares burdens. Who shares happiness. When a family is truly a family, there is no, the embarrassment, the, the guilt, and all those things have to be cast away. Or you're not a family. So this was a family. So we need to consider if, if my prayer that I keep praying and I get down on my knees about and I should get on my knees but if I'm not seeming God is not seemingly listening then maybe he's trying to teach you something and that's to teach you to get your brethren involved scripture teaches if you're sick you come to the elders and for what prayer When we have a problem with another brother, Scripture teaches us to go to the elder and the witness and work it out. See, God is all about us working together as a family. And Scripture teaches us to pray in earnest for one another. Can prayer change the outcome? It can. Does it mean that God will change his mind? No. But God loves to engage with us as his people. To engage that his will be done. 
And God is about getting us to get our will aligned with his. That's what our prayer is to be. And as we approach the throne, Lord, I want my will to align with yours. This is what I want, but I want you to teach me and show me how to align my will with yours. You know who does that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that aligns our will with God. I can't do it on my own. See, it's not about getting God to cooperate with me. It's about getting me in line with Him. He wants me to ask. He wants me to come to Him. He wants me to bring my burdens. But He also wants me to bring them and share them with my other brothers and sisters in Christ. So that we're all praying together for this. And that's... That's a concept that was very hard for somebody like me to get my head wrapped around. But I got it wrapped around it now. You know what happens when you try to handle all your problems by yourself? That's right. It's a burden you can't carry. But the one who said share it can handle it. So James was dead and Peter was in prison. Why is one dead and the other one not? I'm sure the church prayed just as earnestly for James. They were meeting together and praying for him. Why did he die and Peter live? Well, that's a question we ask daily about things that happen. We're bewildered when we see good and godly people suffer and die. And we're determined that, you know, that person maybe had a lot more offered to other people in God's name, their ministry. But this is what we have to look at. God said, my ways are not your ways. I have to stop and accept that by faith. I have to accept that. You know... It's like some years ago, one of my daughters was trying to reason with a three-year-old. And I heard about all that I could stand. I said, what, what are you doing? He's three years old. You don't have to explain anything. You're his mom. You're the boss. He's got to learn to deal with what you say and accept it. We're like that. We, we want to, why, why? I got a lot of whys to ask. I watched my own parents and my only sibling die too young. While I see filth that are li living to be 80 years old. Why? There's a, there's a song by A.B. Grants, who says, somewhere down the road. I'll understand. Here, I have to acknowledge that you are God, and I am not. Jesus told James, you will indeed drink from the bitter cup. James had finished his testimony. 
he was finished. So he beat Peter back to heaven. He got his reward before any of the rest of the apostles. My ways are not your ways. The promise made to Peter now. Verse 6. The night before Peter was placed on trial, he was asleep fast with two chains between two soldiers. How can Peter sleep? He's, on, he's the one he's going to trial. He knows that they want to kill him, but he goes to sleep. And it tells us in the next part of the verse here that an angel was going to walk up to him and wake him up. But this is why Peter was not afraid. John 21, verses 18 through 19. Jesus tells Peter this, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were all, all able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands. And listen, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to let him know about what kind of death he would glorify God. And Jesus told him, follow me. Peter wasn't concerned because he wasn't old. He knew. He believed in the promise. Can you rest at night? Or are you tossing? Do, can you rest in the promise that God has made you? Believe in the promise that no matter what happens out here, in this world. The promise is. If you believe that Jesus Christ. Is the living son of God. That he came to this earth. And dwelt among men. Was crucified on a cross. He arose from the dead. If you believe that. And you accept that. Then the promise is. You will live with God. For eternity. Nothing. Can take that away. And he tells us, I will be with you. I will leave the Comforter to be with you, the Holy Spirit. To guide you, to lead you through this life until it's done. I believe in the promise. Believe in the promise that God is on the, tr on the throne and I can trust that. No matter what happens. In Isaiah 26, verses in the last part of verse 1 through 3, we are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Do you believe that? It's a promise that God makes. He will keep us in perfect peace. J. Oswald Sanders said this, Peace is not the absence of trouble, it's the presence of God. That's how we cope, that's how we deal. So verses 6 through 11 of 12, we see where an angel shows up in the prison cell, and it says, he had to wake Peter up, he was so fast asleep. And he says, quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrist. And he tells him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And Peter's kind of in this state of, he doesn't know what's going on. He thinks he's having a dream. 
But actually, it was happening. And so they passed through the first, verse 10, passed through the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this was open to them all by itself. The gate opens by itself and they walk through. So they passed through and started walking down the street and then an angel suddenly left him. So the angels escorted him and all of a sudden he's gone. So Peter came to his senses and says, it's really true. The Lord sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. And then, verse 12, when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where they were gathered for prayer. So the church was gathered here in this home. Peter knocks on the door. A girl named Rhoda comes to open the door. She sees Peter, and she recognizes his voice. But instead of opening the door, let Peter in. She goes and tells everybody else he's here. They're praying. And the answer they gave him, gave her rather, in verse 15, you're out of your mind. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. So were they surprised? Were they surprised? that their prayer been answered? They found it hard to believe that God actually answered their prayer. You've lost your mind, girl. It was God's will to deliver Peter. But God got the church involved in cooperating with His will. He wanted them in prayer. His, it was his will to deliver Peter. But Peter, meanwhile, the girl is telling him that he's, he keeps knocking on the door. And they finally open it, and they're all amazed. You know why, why many of us don't engage in prayer for a lengthy amount of time? Because we don't have the real faith it takes to believe that there's power in prayer. We want immediate results. That's how we live, isn't it? We want right now. The devil loves it when we try to work out our own problems. We pray two or three times about something and we're done because God hadn't answered it. And we hadn't gone out and shared it with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Say, would you pray for me? Jesse, would you pray for me about this? Would you pray for me, John? Would you pray for me about this? Would you pray for my... Child, would you pray for my wife? Will you pray for me? And then we, it keeps on, and we're all in prayer about something. So one of the things that we have a hard time doing as a church body is when we offer an altar call to walk down this aisle and say, I need help. I need the prayers of this church. Until we get ourselves out of the way. And say, I can handle all this, me and God. And he's, he just better hurry up with it. Until we get past that, we're just, we're just working into the devil's hand. He loves for us to give up. Because there's one thing he can't do. He is no match for the power of prayer. Because prayer goes to God. We don't make demands of God. 
If we demand God to do this for me and demand Him to do that, it's not going to happen. We don't demand anything. We ask God, work your will out. How did Jesus teach us to pray? If not my will, but yours be done. Isn't that what Jesus said when they asked Him, how do we pray? God wants us to pray that our will aligns with His. And that's what this church was doing, praying for Peter. So the next morning, there was a great commotion that took place 18 and 19 of this chapter. Peter was gone. Somebody's got to pay. Herod Agrippa ordered that the search be made. When they couldn't find him, they killed the guards. They had to pay the price. And then we get to verse 20 and 21. We see the price that Herod pays. Because it says here in verse 20, Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And they sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were so dependent on Herod's country for food. And they won the support, it says, of Herod's personal assistant. So the next day, Herod puts on his royal robes. He goes up from the people, and he's going to make a speech. So he makes this speech in verse 22. The people gave him a great ovation, shouting, It's the voice of God, not a man. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. The manner of Herod's death was appropriate to his spiritual state. He was rotten from the inside out. He was corrupted. You say, that's rather harsh. Do not underestimate our God. And all that is going on out here in our country is a We're living in times of prophecy right now. But God is on the throne. He is all sovereign. So here's the point. It tells us in verse 24 and 25 that the word of God continued to spread and there were many new believers. And Paul and Barnabas had finished their mission to Jerusalem and they returned taking John Mark with them. In verse 24... The word of God continued to spread. That's what has to happen now. In 2022, that we continue to spread the word of God. People will believe in the gospel if it's shared. Some will reject, but the Spirit will move and have conviction over many's heart. We're going to end with this. Here's the point of the lesson. God is still sovereign and he rules and he overrules. He has a purpose and a plan. And our part in this is that we pray as a congregation. And as we're taught here in chapter 12, the church was in a constant state of prayer because there was a crisis with Peter. We need, when we have a crisis going on in one of our family right here, we need to know about it. We need to come together as a church and pray for it. 
we have a pipe, we have a pipeline of texts that go out when somebody comes and, and says we need prayer on this. I don't know if all of you realize that, but that goes through many people in this congregation. We have a group of men that meet here every Friday morning, very early, and what they do is pray for this church. And they pray for the people in this church. But we can't know about a problem if you don't share it. And it's time we start sharing more. That we don't let Satan talk us into being, I'm going to hold this back. I'm, I don't want to, I'm going to get embarrassed. I don't want people to know about this. He is all sovereign. And he's telling us, share with your family. Share with your family. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And we're going to, as we sing, if you, if you have a prayer need, it, share it. Come down and let one of the elders know. And Tom will be down. I'm down here. And we can begin a power of prayer on that problem or that need. That's what we're taught to do. Let's pray. Father God. We're so, we're so weak in our humanity, but we're strong through you. So, Father, I'm asking that your spirit moves this morning. And if there are those here who have a need, who need prayer, who, who have a time rejoicing, whatever that is, Father, that they bring it to your altar down here. And this family can know and can pray about this. Teach us, Father. More and more about prayer. How important prayer is. It is the weapon you have given us against the evil one. Help us, Father. Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.